a little while. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. You may be seated. This passage is really packed with a whole lot of stuff. I mean, you could just take a couple of the verses there and just just deal with that. So uh, we're just going to take a, a little bit of it, and uh, hopefully you and I will benefit from the application of, from the life of Jesus. Many times when you look for applications, we pick out things in life. And that's not bad in and of itself, but the best way to really take the word is to see how Christ took the word and how he applied it in his own life. And if we see that, then we'll say, you know what, Jesus, if you did that when you were going through some stuff, then when I'm going through some stuff, guess what? I need to be just like you. And we talked about that this chapter 12 begins the last John, for John's sake, the Gospel of John, as he's writing, this begins really the last week of Jesus. It covers eight, nine, ten more chapters, but it all encompasses one week that's going on. And so as John is, is, is writing this, uh, we, get to, we get a little snapshot of Jesus behind the scenes of what he was going through. Last week we talked about the Greeks coming and the, the Gentiles and, and how Jesus really starts to mark that his time has come. He now talks in, in language of, this is the beginning of my last days. My hour, my time has come. And what he means by that is, prior to that, many times when people wanted to lay hold of Christ, they weren't able to. But now that he's in the city, now that it's time of the, the Passover, now that everything has been put in place and everything is in place, he came into the city as a, as a triumphant king. And in a few days from now, one moment they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, praise God, praise Messiah, Messiah. And less than six days later, the same man, they're going to say, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. But now Jesus, when we get to this 27th verse, he expresses some of the anguish that he has. He lets us know that he says here, my, now is my soul troubled. And then he simply says, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. In his humanity, Jesus saw and knew the weight of the cross. In his humanity, his soul was troubled because he knew what lied ahead. He knew that he was on the march to be crucified. He was on the march to be put on the cross. And all that that meant, all of that that was wrapped up in him being on the cross was now troubling his soul. I guess many times in our own life, sometimes we could say that the uh, we can feel like Jesus sometimes in our own spirit, in our own soul, we feel troubled. So maybe it's, it has to do with illness or sickness or maybe it has to do with relationships or maybe it has to do with a lot of things. But we, like Jesus, can honestly say, like he says here, now is my soul troubled. 
as God, he knew who he was in his humanity because he was the God man. He now understands that in the next few days, there's some heavy things that are going to be placed on me. And I would guess, and when I was thinking about this, there is no, uh, there, there, it's incomprehensible to understand what Christ was going through when we think about the full weight of sin of the world being placed on him and all that that involves. He even asked his father to save him from that hour. In other words, if, and he said it later on, he'll say it again, if it would be your will, Lord, take this away. Save me from this hour. Save me from this time that I know what lies ahead and the full weight of salvation for man and the full weight of saving mankind and me and you being separated because we've never been separated before and just all of that 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 entails. Save me from this hour. But then he uses that word but when he says but for this purpose I have come to this hour. On one hand, he's troubled. On one hand, he understands the full weight. He asks the Lord, he asks his father to take him from that. But then on the other hand, he says, but for this hour, for this reason, I've come. I've come to this point of being troubled. I've come to this point of asking you to take it away from me. But nevertheless, that's the reason why I'm here. And sometimes in our life, we do have trouble, we do have circumstances, but if our focus and our perspective is right, we can be just like Jesus. Even though the trouble is overwhelming, even though the situation could sometimes overcome us, yet like Christ, what we can say is, but Lord, it's for such a time as this that I'm taking it because you're going to allow me to show to others what you can do in my circumstance. In my illness, in my disease, in my family being all screwed up and messed up, in, in whatever it is that you're going through. At, at that moment, you could be like Jesus and troubled and wish the Lord would take it away, but you'll be able to be like Jesus when he says, but for that purpose, for every day, Lord, you have a reason, you have a purpose behind while you are allowing me to go through these things. I may not understand it, I may not like it, I may not want it, but like my Christ, I want to be like him in the sense that, all right, if this is what my lot is, so be it. It's for this time I have come. And I like what he says after that. He says, Father, this is Jesus. Father, glorify your name. Not my name, but Glorify your name. It's interesting that when Jesus is speaking here, he doesn't say, what shall I do? He says, what shall I say? So many times we want to know what to do. Sometimes we need to know, have the right words to say. And then in his and in, in our suffering, Jesus gives out two prayers. Number one, he asks, Father, save me. And then yet, and still he says, Father, glorify thy name. The idea is, help us, I put down two words that I thought was interesting that I never thought about. Do we want to be conformable, conformable, or do we want to be comfortable? 
Do we want to be conformable or do we want to be comfortable? Romans 12, 2 tells us, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Romans 8, 29 says, God has predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. So which one are we looking for? Are we looking for comfortable lives? Do we want our lives to be about our plans and our desires and save our lives and it's all about us because we want to be comfortable? Or do we want to yield our lives and let God plant us as we learned last week? Will we, so we can realize that we will never be alone. Remember last week we talked about the seed. Plant it. Take the seed, plant it in the ground, and out of the planting of that seed comes multiple grains, multiple fruits come out of that. And what he's asking us here is, do we want to be comfortable? Do you want to be comfortable or do you want to be conformable? Do you want to be in, made into the image of Jesus Christ? And then as he was dealing with all that, his hour has come, glorify. God says he has glorify his name, glorify your name, Father. The Father says, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. They hear this voice. A sound. It was, the Bible says it was a voice. It was a sound. They didn't understand what the sound was saying. They just heard something. Some said, it's, thund- it's, it's thundering out there. But, they've all, but two other times, this is the third time, two other times Jesus, the Lord, his Father, had spoke. In Matthew 3, 17, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Jesus started his ministry, and the voice of God from heaven says, this is my beloved son. And again, on the Mount of Transfiguration, they're up there with Jesus. And the voice says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Hear ye or listen to him. And now in John chapter 12, we have another sighting where the voice of God speaks and tells us about his son. Three times, God speaks. Three times, there's a voice. But the people in the context of John chapter 12, they hear this, and they really didn't understand it, and they asked the questions. The crowd that stood there, they heard it, and they said, it thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. In other words, what you hear, even though you don't understand the words, didn't come so much for me, but it came for you. Somebody says, so how is that? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. The people heard a sound, but they did not know the message or understand it. So the question is, what good was the sound? Or what good was the message? The voice did two things. Number one, Jesus had just asked the question. His soul was troubled, and he asked the question, Father, save me. But when he hears the voice of his father, he has a reassurance. He's reassured that he's doing what the Father wants him to do. And every now and then in our life, we need to be reassured. We need to be affirmed. We need to know that what we're doing, God says we're doing it right. And here's Jesus. He hears this voice. And he's assured that him and the Father are one. He was assured, the voice assured Jesus, he was getting ready to die for the people's sake. 
for those that were gathered around as well as for you and I. They heard him pray. They heard the sound from heaven. And in response, the result should have been that, the, that Jesus was in touch with the Father. When they had heard the voice of God, they should have realized that, wait a minute, prior to, because some of these people followed Jesus, prior to, well, wait a minute, we've heard this voice before. We've heard what he said. Guess what? Because of who he is, because of what he's done, because of how he saved lives and healed people and did miracles and all that, and now we see this. That should have been assurance to them that Jesus was who he said he was. Who was he? He's the son of God. And in your life and in my life, we have the assurance, number one, because the word of God says it. But in a personal way, what has God done for you? What situation has he delivered you from? Where were you six months ago? Where were you? Two years ago, where were you five years ago? Where were you 20 years ago? Hopefully, as you've been, hopefully, if you're walking with Christ, you have come a mighty long way. Hopefully, you're closer to the Lord now than you were before. But you know what I find interesting? A lot of people talk about a spiritual journey, about a spiritual trip, and here's what I've seen by observation. Many people talk about that, but in their, quote, spiritual experience and their connection with God and all that, what happens is they fall farther away than draw closer to. And what I will tell you that if you are spiritually on a journey and God, through the power of his word and the Holy Spirit residing within you, you don't get further from him, you get closer to him. sharing with the Sunday school class this morning that uh, I'm going to have to change my word a little bit, my wording. Yes, we want people to attend, but really we need to go beyond just attending. I read, I was on Twitter last night and I retweeted what this guy said, because what he said was the caption was, I was going down through it and I saw this. You do not have to attend church. I said, what? What is he saying? Let me check this dude out. And I clicked on it, and up came this article. And uh, he went on about, you know, people attend, and people come, and people go. And people today don't like to come to church. They don't think they need to come to church. And there's no necessity for the church. You, there's other means by which you can come to church. You can go to church on the, on the on TV, or you can go to church on radio, you can go to church by clicking on the internet, and every, I mean, there's all kind of ways to, quote, attend church. He said, in that aspect, people are right. Maybe they are right. But he says, but it's more than attending. It's about engaging in ministry in the church. That's the key. Not just we want you here, but we want you here engaged in the ministry of the church. What is the ministry of the church? The one part of the ministry that we all are to be engaged in is going out and being witnesses for Jesus. Amen. Evangelize. If the church is to grow, it's not because people are just going to walk in our doors. The church is going to grow because you and I are out there talking and witnessing the people and by the power of the Holy Spirit and what Jesus is getting ready to tell the people is going to happen when we do that. He says, Here's a voice from heaven. He said, Father says, I have glorified. I have already glorified it, and I'm going to glorify it again by letting you know this is my son. 
And they question that. Jesus says, no, no, no. The voice is really for you, not for me. You need to understand. Now, right now is the judgment of this world. Amen? Judgment of this world. And now will the ruler of this world be cast out. I need you to understand something, Jesus said. Today, now is the judgment of this world. Who's going to judge the world? Christ is. There's going to come a point in time when the world will be judged by Jesus. Why Jesus? Because the Father's going to tell him, I give that to you. I'm the ultimate judge, the Father will tell the Son, but I've delegated that to you. And also, not just the judgment of this world, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Ultimately, Satan will be done away with. He's already defeated foe. He's already lost the battle. He just doesn't realize it yet. The Lord allows him to dwell in the heavens and do all the stuff here in the heavens and on the earth. But ultimately, when Christ gets up out of the grave on that Easter Sunday, on that resurrection Sunday morning, he's already been defeated. He says, he says, the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, when I am lifted from the earth, will draw all people to myself. It is a, it, was, it was a mistake by Satan, but God had a plan to lift Jesus up. That was his mistake. Because he did not realize that when Jesus, this speaks of Jesus' death. That's what he's talking about. He says, and when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. He says, I'm going to die by crucifixion. I know that. And if I be lifted up, when they put him on the cross and they raised him up, as Moses put the serpent on the staff in the wilderness, and as long as Moses held up the staff, and he said when they were getting bit by snakes and poisonous and dying, they, God told Moses, as long as the people look at the snake on the staff, they shall live. The same thing goes for Jesus. If long as we look at Christ who's on the cross, then we can look and live. But we don't keep Jesus on the cross because early one Sunday morning, he got up with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. But he had to be lifted up. They had to see him. He says, if I be lifted up, I will draw. I don't worry. I, 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 on one hand, I worry, but on the other hand, I don't worry. On one hand, it hurts my heart that more people are not here. But one thing I know, it's not about me drawing people or you drawing people. For as long as they look to Jesus, he said, as long as, and it's still a promise is active, as long as I am lifted up, I will draw, I will draw, I will draw all people to myself. Amen? The indictment on us is we're not going out to, to share the gospel and let people know that Jesus wants to draw them in. Amen? But well, his promise is still true. As any man, one boy, or girl that comes in here, if they see Jesus, Jesus says, as long as they see me, 
how are they going to see Jesus? A couple ways. Number one, they will see Jesus in your life and in my life. If we don't live out what, quote, the gospel is, they'll never see Jesus. The reason why we're getting ready to go out this afternoon or this evening to La Comedia is because somewhere somebody read something or saw something that said they had good food, and with the good food, you have a play. Had not we read that or somebody had saw that, we really have no reason to go. Right? I mean, why would we go? We don't know anything. If you didn't know anything about it, you wouldn't go. But because of quote, some good food, and the opportunity to watch the color purple, and the fellowship with other brothers in Christ, we said, let's do this thing. The same thing is true in the church. People on the outside have no reason to walk in our doors other than there's an invitation given by Christ, number one, but also extended by us because we say, guess what? If you just come and hear Oh, I believe you'll enjoy yourself. And maybe the food on the table, maybe the atmosphere of what's going on, and maybe the fellowship of the saints and our love shed abroad in all of our hearts and the hearts of those that visit us, maybe that will be enough for them to say, wait a minute. I don't know all what's going on, but I want what they got. And in that God is also what Christ has said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw. You don't have to worry about changing a whole lot. You just stay faithful to what I said and watch me draw. Watch me draw. As you take a magnet and put it to something that's metal, it just sucks it right out. I was watching a show yesterday, and this guy was stealing millions and billions of dollars. And he had a guy that double-crossed him, was in there, and he was putting it in the bag. But he understood the guy was going to double-cross him. And he connected to the venting system a gigantic vacuum. So the guy who thought he was getting away with it, all of a sudden this air starts, and all of this money in the hundreds of millions of dollars started sucking up and spinning around and going through the vents out into a van to fill this van up with all this money. That's what we want. We want people to be sucked in. Like a giant vacuum, they say, wait a minute, those people at that church, there's something going on. But when you and I act like nothing's going on, guess what? The attractiveness of the gospel is diminished. We ain't talking about being smiley and slap happy all the time, but every now and then we ought to have a smile on our face. You don't get to have the opportunity to look sad and depressed and, and upset all the time when people are saying, well, what kind of Jesus do you got? Every now and then, can he not cause you to smile? Every now and then, can he not raise your hand and say, you know what? I know I'm messed up, but God's been good. I don't deserve his. Do you and I deserve his blessings? No. But he's a great God. He's a good, good father. He blesses us day after day, year after year, time in and time out. Sister Seeger talked about the praises of her person in the office. Hey, I was, well, I said, I wish somebody did that for me. Pay my, pay my car. Don't even know who the person Somebody just says, hey, you know what? I got that. People hear these things. Like that. Some people go, 
No, I don't believe that ever happened. Well, it can happen because with God, all things are possible. Maybe you go to a restaurant. Maybe you're driving through a drive-thru. And the person, because they got this thing about paying it forward, say, you know what? I want to pay for whatever, the, whatever they ordered behind me. Okay? And you pull up and they tell you what it was and you get ready and they say, well, it's already been taken care of. Who did it? Car in front of me. Well, who was that? I don't know them people. Don't have to know them. They just want to share a blessing. Those things do happen. But guess what? I believe that when those things happen like that, it's God's gracious hand on all of our lives. You don't know what's out there that the blessing that God has in store for you. You really don't. We, we, we give up on God right almost at the moment he's ready to pour out the blessing. Oh, I've been going through this for so long, and oh, my God, 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 I'm tired of praying. They ain't, gonna, they ain't, gonna, they ain't never going to change. And we're so down. And God said, but wait a minute. When you get to heaven, he's going to say, if you just would have waited to the 21st, if you just would have held out one more day, if you just would have went to that afternoon, I had a blessing. I was getting ready to start. But because you doubted, because you said, I couldn't do it, because you said, no way in heaven will God ever. You know what I did? I closed the book and said, okay, not today, maybe some other day. We're so close. But because of our perspective on God. We give up on God. God never gives up on us. That's the best news of us as believers and as Christians. That's the best. As much as we have given up on people, God never gives up on us. Amen? We are that rock. We're that clay. And sometimes our, our clay's got bubbles and grains of sand. and all. We, we, we got all kind of imperfections. And we're on the potter's wheel, and he's trying to make a vessel out of us. And we don't want to be the vessel. We give every reason why we don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't, I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't, I don't, I don't want to commit my life to that point. We want to be comfortable, not conformable. We don't want to conform to the image of Christ. You know what that means? That means if we're conformed to the image of Christ, there are things that we want to do that we can't do. Not that we couldn't do it, not that we can't, but because the constraint of Christ is on me. I can't do that. What do you mean you can't do that? not what the Lord wants for me in my life. But wait a minute. You've got every reason to go this way because this is where all on paper or on, on, on whatever, it looks like that's the right avenue to go. Maybe that, uh, everything says this is the right person, this is the right what, situation, this is the right job, whatever. But the Lord speaking to your voice going, no, that's not what I had for you. But if I do this, just think of, oh, it will help leave this and and I won't have any more problems, and blah, blah, blah. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. Don't go there. Come here. And you look over here, you go, oh. But, but I, don't know, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't see it, Jesus. He didn't ask you to see it. He just asked you to obey. If I be lifted up, I will draw all people. And when he says all people, he's not talking about universal salvation where everybody in the world be saved because guess what? Everybody in the world will not be saved. 
If you live in a delusion that everybody out there is going to come to Christ and be saved, you are seriously delusional. Because everybody will not be saved. But we have to act as if everybody will be. Because we don't know the whosoever wills. Whosoever will, let him come. You're not God. I'm not God. I, if, you, if you know Jesus today, there's nothing I can look out in this audience today and see for myself that there's a stamp on your forehead that says, Believer. I don't see a B on your head. Believer. That's one right there. There's one, another one. There's another one. There's one back there. I don't see that. If you're a believer, it's because God predestined and ordained and called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And God, because he's God, don't ask me to explain it. Don't ask me what is right or wrong or different. I cannot explain it. I don't, I'm not God. But God chooses and elects whom he wills because he's God. Now, when I get to heaven, I may ask the question, but I don't think I'm going to have a question to ask God when I get to heaven. I'm just going to be elated and overjoyed that I'm in heaven. But if he says you get one question, you can ask him. Can I ask you a question, God? Why is it you saved some and didn't save others? Why is it you picked some and didn't pick others? And he'll probably say, you had the word. I chose Israel over all the nations in the world. Why? No particular reason why. They, I, they're just my chosen people. I chose you over all these people who are not going to be saved because what? I chose you. Don't worry about them other people. You just realize I elected you. I chose you. You're my child. I'm your father. And I expect you to produce fruit. I expect you to be that seed that's planted that's going to give off 40 and 20 and 80 and 100 fold of fruit. That's what I expect from you. And I sent my son to die for you. Now, what did he tell you? If I be lifted up, I will draw all peoples. No matter race, color, creed, nationality, whatever, God says, if I have chosen, if I'm lifted up, I'm the one. The reason why you're here today is not because you decided. Christ drew you to himself. I draw. I brought. I am the agent by which you one day came. Oh, you may have thought that you thought about it and prayed about it. But ultimately, I am the one that put it on your heart to let you know that you needed me. Because without me putting that on your heart, you never would have come. He said, I will draw all people to myself. He said all that to let them know what kind of death he was going to die. He had to die the way of crucifixion. Because... At the cross was the hour of judgment for the world and for Satan. Jesus would defeat Satan and the world system, according to Galatians 6.14, because of what happened at the cross. Satan has already been defeated. As we serve the Lord, we overcome the wicked. As you and I serve Christ, we overcome the wicked one. Who's the wicked one? The devil, Satan. And one day Satan will be cast out of heaven, according to Revelation 12.10. And ultimately Satan will be judged and imprisoned forever, Revelation 20.10. At the end, 
he will be bound and cast forever, banished from this world. Jesus says, if I be lifted up, he talked about that in John 3.14 and also in John 8.28. But in Isaiah 52.13, it says, behold, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. Who's Isaiah talking about? Isaiah's talking about Jesus. Behold, my servant, Christ, will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. That's why you're here. That's why you should be here today, to exalt the name of Jesus. That's why you ought to say amen. That's why you ought to get into the music. That's why you ought to listen and say, hey, I understand what he's talking about, even through this ministry of song. Too many of our worship services is about being passive and about being spectative rather than participating. I don't want, I, just, I feel uncomfortable standing up. No, you need to feel uncomfortable. You need to stand sometimes. You don't need to sit there and just watch somebody else sing and do everything. Get up off of your behind and stand and sing. Say, I don't know the song. Just listen to the song for a little while. I never heard that song, Real, Real. That's not a hard song to learn. Real, real. Jesus is real to me. Is he real to you? Oh, yeah. He gives me the, I mean, once you hear it, go through it, you got it. I said I wasn't going to tell nobody, but I what, couldn't keep it to myself. problem is too many of us are keeping it to ourselves. You ain't even worried about it. I, I, I can't say anything. You don't, we won't say anything. Lord, I thank you, thank you, thank you. Simple song. Lord, I thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, I thank you, thank you, thank you. I just thank you. Do you thank him all the day of my life, of my life? Lord, I thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, I thank you, thank you, thank you. I just thank you all the days of my life. When I was hungry, when I was tired, whatever you want to put in there, you fed me with, I mean, it's a simple song. People tell me, I don't, we don't know those songs, Pastor. We didn't grow up with them. Hogwash, you don't have to grow up on it. Just listen to the words and stand up and sing and rejoice in God. Have you ever been hungry? Probably not. Well, to me, we have been hungry. We may have been in the sense of we, had some, we wanted something to eat. Hungry is when you have no means of food whatsoever. Well, maybe what you had you didn't want. I don't want peanut butter and jelly. No, I don't want a bologna. But whatever it is you got, you ought to be thankful for. Amen. Why are you here to rejoice? What was it? Schuler used to say, he was like, this is the day the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad there. We allowed him to steal that, but that's for every believer in Christ. This day, this is the day the Lord has made. Rejoice! Rejoice! And be glad in it. Don't know what's going to happen today, the next few hours, but this is his day. He made it. Tomorrow, if you get up, again, this is the day the Lord has made. Let me rejoice and be glad in it. That's the right perspective. 
Amen? If I be lifted up. Jesus says, you know what? If I be lifted up, I will help people find their way. Not only will I help them find their way, I will help them find their way in the direction. I will also, if I be lifted up, they will know the truth. The truth. And if I be lifted up, they will receive life everlasting. How do we know all that comes out of that one phrase, if I be lifted up? Because Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. You want to know the directions for your life? You want to know how to follow the right directions and not be on GPS and they send you all over the place? You ultimately get there, but you could have put two blocks, turn left, turn right, and been there, but they want to take you all the way from Sugar Tree down through Throne and over, over the river and through the woods. But you want the right direction? Follow Jesus. The reason why our lives are so messed up is because we're not following the directions of Jesus. We want to follow our own direction. I got a better way of getting there. I know a shortcut, Jesus. That's what we're really telling him. I got a shortcut. And he said, there is no, just follow my directions. You want the truth? No, we don't want the truth. In the immortal words, you, you don't want the truth because we can't handle the truth. Because when we look at the truth of God's word, he shows us just who we are. And some of us have a higher estimation of ourselves. You know, Pastor, I ain't that bad. I mean, compared to, well, now see, now you messed up. Because now you're comparing yourself to somebody. I ain't as bad as them other folks. Well, well, but you're just, you're bad on your own. Ain't about the other folks. The other folks will be taken care of. I am the way. I am the truth. And you want to have life? Well, guess what? You can't have life unless you have Jesus. You are dead man walking till you come to Christ. Oh, you can enjoy the momentary pleasures of the world. You can get excited about the NCAAs, and you can get excited about the ball games, and you can get excited about this event in your life and the birth of your child and the marriage of your children. All that, that's nice. But if you really want to have life and live life to its fullest and encompass all that life that Christ has for you, you can't get that without him. Because like that new toy, like that new car, like that new relationship, like that new job, it's exciting for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, the car, the job, and sad to say, some people. I wish I'd never met that person. What was I thinking? I wish I never had that car. I had to buy, I had to go out and buy this daggone car because I just thought I had to have it. It was my, my I mean, it's my, I've been dreaming about this car. And then you get it, then you find out, wait a minute, it too will rust, corrode, and break down and break apart. And there I am. I was excited about it, like at Christmas time. Got that toy the kids always wanted. Play for it for a couple hours, and then if it doesn't break, they end up putting it somewhere, and they can't find it, or they don't even play with it anymore. And sometimes they'd rather play with a box than they would rather play with a toy. And you say to yourself, I could have bought a box and saved me some money. Do you not think God looks at us sometimes like that? I have provided them a life everlasting. I, I told them I will give them life that they can't even begin to imagine or think, but they're content to not want to play with it because they don't think I know what I'm doing. They doubt who I am. I'm the God that created them. 
ain't nothing going to happen to them that I ain't going to allow to happen. I got you. I got you, me, and everybody else in the palm of my hand. Do you think God's going to cause something to happen to you that he can't control? So when a sister secret or any of us in this church stand up and say, you know what, I got to praise. We've been praying for this house in New Jersey. Vermont, rather. Thank you. For years. Lord Jesus, please, if it be your will, get that thing sold. Is it sold yet? No, Pastor. Still got to deal with it. Year one, year two, year three, however long it's been. And then she walks in on Wednesday and said, pray. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. It's sold. We ought to be happy about that. See, I, I compare what, how we act in the world, sometimes how we act in the church. I watch, I watch some of the NCAA, some of the basketball, and people are just, they're excited about their team. They're excited about this. I mean, when, when that little school in, in Massachusetts beat a number one team, people were, I mean, guys were running. People were, good. some were crying, oh, we lost. Others were like, yes, yes. Guess what? We ought to be here about Jesus. We ought to be able to get excited. When I was a young child coming up, a young man growing up in Second Baptist, when I would watch Deacon Medley literally go around the whole church, I mean, he would just be, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, you've been so good to me. You've been with me a long way. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, Jesus, thank you. And I'm sitting there going, okay. All right. Yeah, now that I'm a little bit older, now that I've been through the storm and the rain, now I've watched how Jesus brought me over, I can understand why he was willing to lose pride and dignity to praise the God who he knew. We're too sophisticated. We don't want to sweat for Jesus. You know, like, I got my face on. Pastor, I just got my hair did. <laughs> and if I start sweating, whoa, Jesus, you don't want to see me with my hair sweat, Pastor. When it gets wet, if it's raining outside, the umbrella's got to put the bottom. Go home, go, Pastor. Well, every now and then, ain't nothing about getting this. I'll say this, and hopefully you know what I'm saying. Ain't nothing wrong with getting ugly for Jesus. Shed a tear. Let that makeup get the mascara under your eyes run. Let the... I need a handkerchief. I mean, let that go. Because what you're saying is, I ain't worried about what people think. I know what God has done for me. God, God has blessed me. I mean, not only you can say that. God has, God has done, in spite of my fickleness, in spite of my lack of faith, in spite of me not doing really what God, in spite of me saying, you know what, God, I love you, but God still blesses. Amen. The cross reminds us of God's love for the world. And that the task of the church is to take the gospel to the whole world, wherever it is. I think I preached this many years ago. I think Sister Heather and I said it the other night in our class. Bloom where you're planted. Sister Seeger's at Wilmington College. Heather's over there at the hospital. 
Got some young people in high school. Got some people over here. Got some people out of Aristide. Got some people wherever, at your own house as a housewife or, or somebody that's home. People coming in and out of your house. People around your neighborhood. People that, hey, girl, what you do? Those are your opportunities. Bloom right where you're planted. Missional living should be every moment. You and I ought to be on mission to share the gospel. That's what missional living is about. I am on mission 24-7. Whether I support it with somebody else going to a foreign country or I being a missionary right where I am today. Be a missionary every day. Tell the world that Jesus is the way. In every town and country, in my neighborhood, wherever I'm at, be a missionary. I will go where I can. I will send others to go when I can't go. And I will pray diligently for the gospel to be fruitful in both places. If I be lifted up, Jesus says, I will draw all people unto me. May he be the one that is lifted up in your life as well as in all of our lives. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.